The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim. Zim, say what's up. What's up, man? How are you doing? I'm I'm astronomically down bad. Uh, what I what I, I tweeted, I just said, man, I haven't shaved since the Super Bowl. I was telling my wife, I said, man, I look rough as hell. I haven't shaved since the Super Bowl. I was just telling you how my life has changed. All the stupid suckers online that I got all y'all money all year. I miss y'all. All the people that doubted the Bengals every single week. I miss you guys so much more than anything. Because I feel like Bengals fans always going to be ready to talk football. But I miss our haters more than anything. I miss all their money, too. And I miss that more, more than anything. What do you miss more about the NFL season so far? Uh, it's It's crazy, bro. Like, this is... With how fast everything has gone, it's like light speed. Like, usually we're kind of used to, you know, maybe playing in the first round of the playoffs and then having that time to really focus on the draft, focus on the combine. And it's just been a whirlwind. It's like really like I haven't – I've watched like two prospects, like maybe three or four so far. And, like, usually by now I kind of have a good kind of understanding of everybody. There are still players that I do not know, and that's just because – and I saw Zach getting interviewed about this. It's a whirlwind. Like, you literally had the Super Bowl two, three weeks ago, and then you're, like, already in the combine mode. You're trying to play catch up. So it's just been a kind of different energy as far as that. And then, as you said, like, with us picking all the way back at 31 – it just kind of doesn't get you – not that you're not excited about the draft, but it's like I'm kind of looking at free agency and, like, different scenarios more so than, like, the draft. Not to say I'm off of the draft because I just finished watching Andrew Boo Jr., and I really like him, uh, but it's just a different kind of energy, bro. That's it's my like, favorite corner, bro. Yes, bro. Yeah, I'm with you, bro. Like, sign me up right now. Like, I know it's still early. I still haven't watched a bunch of people. But that dude look when by the time I mean let's let's get straight into the combine stuff or let's let's get into it. One thing I'm gonna hit you with because we do a lot of stuff off script or off topic in a sense. I wanted to ask you this and I'll give you time mm-hmm. but while we're talking about corners. I wanted to hit you with this. Mm-hmm. Coming to the offseason, 
what are, I want to know, like, when we leave out of this episode today, I want to know, like, what's your philosophy on, like, what do you, what is your goals in the all season? And like I said, I'm putting you on the spot. What are your goals in the all season, like, through free agency, and what do you look to come out of the draft with? Because I'm gonna start it off like this. To me, picking at 31 is very different. Like just me doing what we do, what we do annually, just checking this out. I've seen uh, friends of our show, shout out to Lindsay Patterson. She wrote a tweet. She was like, man, I'm so excited about the offseason. And I feel like for the first time, I'm not as excited about the offseason because the prospect list is so vast because you're picking at 31. You're literally like you really got to create like a big board. So I think this year, like. That's something that we're gonna do, or I'm asking you live on the show. I tweeted, I tweeted, I tweeted you this before, but I want us to create through our fans, people watching the show, fans of the Bengals. We're gonna create a big board that we're gonna walk into the draft and say these are the guys that we like the most. I mean, Um, go ahead. And 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 the reason why I say that is because I just feel like it's just so many. By the time you get to 31, 60, whatever. I mean, it, the, the the possibilities of a mock draft just are they're they're borderline silly to me. Like anybody show me a mock, it's it's such a crazy toss up because I'm like, man, let me see that what who was on the board when you pick. And I have gotten myself familiar with a lot of guys' highlights. Um, we've we've gone on uh, what's the website I was showing you the other day? I've, I've been going on there a lot. Um, right. Just getting myself uh, familiar with a lot of guys and falling in love with guys' highlight films before I even start. Going into all twenty two, so me and Ace now, Ace is giving me to connect on all the all twenty two for all the players. So I've had a chance to look at a couple guys, but I started off to say this: at thirty one, I don't care what nobody says. I understand that it's always going to be BPA, but if you look at how weak the offensive line, like how like how the lack of starters there are, and the overall class is weaker than what it was the the year prior. So if you're telling me I'm going to get the sixth or seventh best guy, that's kind of equivalent to like a Carmen level guy. If shoot Carmen, I feel like they traded themselves out of that last year. But like, say you're say that's the talent pool that we're going to be looking at when you start 31, then go to 60 something. You're not necessarily like looking at starters. You're looking at guys that potentially could be a starter, but nobody's just really jumping off the board to say like, this is my guy. The one position that I feel like that it does feel like that, considering the people that are around them in our secondary, is cornerback. Now, you know you lost Hargraves, you know you don't got Darius Phillips, and you know you ain't got Trey Wayne. So now you got three brand new voices. And I know everybody is going to say, Zim doesn't want offensive line. Check check this out. My whole free agency is dedicated to offensive line. I honestly, I've come to the grip, I come to grip with three offensive line, like, I, I would like that even before the draft. I know they'll probably have two before the draft. But I can't imagine any of the guys that I really like at offensive line being there at 31. So that's what makes me look at corner really, really heavy because more bang for your buck, as I was telling you and you were talking about Booth uh, Jr., there's six guys that I like at, from cornerback. There are going to be one or two of those guys 100% going to be there at 31, just looking at the numbers. When you start looking at some of the other position groups, it's always best uh, best player available. But I think it's always going to lead you to cornerback whenever you start to look at your big board. Because if it's four or five guys that I feel like are offensive line, like they're going to be gone. 
like by the time we get to 31. Maybe one of the guys falls down to us. Like there's a guy, Canard, that you're probably going to start looking at, whatever. I don't like him. Like I can see a world where he falls to it and everybody's going to be like, oh, get him, get him, get him, because they're going to probably hype him up. But I don't like him. And it's, it's going to be a couple people like that. And that's why I was curious to find out, you know, like as we get through this episode, we could you could talk about Booth or you could talk about uh, Elam as well. But yeah. um, but yeah, that's I, that's that's how I've, that's how I'm starting to look at the draft a little bit. It's like right. I'm starting to narrow it down to a position which I normally don't do. Yeah, for me, I think my philosophy for the Bengals this offseason is just to really get better. Like a lot of people, like I was on the Panay suicide last year, right? But I'm really looking at this just from all sides because you have Jesse Bates getting ready to, to possibly either be tagged or become a free agent, right? Just imagine a world where you potentially lose Jesse Bates. That's a big hole in your secondary. As you just stated earlier, second cornerback, who is it right now? You got Trey Wayne's that you're probably moving on from. You got a bunch of free agents and Eli Apple. You talk about flowers. That is a big hole for us as far as a starter. Um, and then you talk about the defensive line, right? You got two, three techniques that you had on one-year deals with B.J. Hill and with Larry Ogunjobi. Um, obviously, the offensive line is also a need as well, but you still have to also take care of your defense in areas where you may be thin. You talk about C.J. Uzama being a free agent potentially as well. So there's a lot of starters and a lot of areas around this where you have to fix it, right? But for me, I don't think that the draft is the only weapon for the offensive line. Like one of the things that I looked into was kind of like, who are some trade targets? And when I jumped on that, it was like everybody was killing me because everybody just wanted free agency. And I'm like, free agency isn't the only tool for you to fix the offensive line. I feel like there's a combination of free agency, trades, and the draft that you could use to fix the offensive line. Like there's so many scenarios that you could really go through with in that aspect. And I think I'm glad somebody asked them, uh, asked like Frank Pollock and Duke Tobin, would they be willing to trade? Because it kind of makes sense because you kind of end up paying less that way. It's almost like a mini free agency, depending on what you give up. And you kind of saw them go that route with the Cordy Glenn trade. So I'm about kind of some kind of trade, like in the Cordy Glenn magnitude of getting a veteran that you know that's on a good deal that you don't have to pay as much for, as well as combining that with, uh, maybe, you know, one other lineman in free agency, and then maybe you get to the draft and you still try to find one in those first three rounds. But really, if you don't do that in the draft or if in the draft you're looking at corner or you're looking at D tackle or somewhere around that for a three technique, I'm open to that because the key to me is keeping that core, which we really still have, adding to it. And then getting pieces in free agency that we can add to get back to the Super Bowl. That's my key there is like getting back. And I think that the Bengals, I'm not too worried about them adding to this offensive line and being able to get people because everybody saw this team. Everybody saw the run. And there's linemen around the league. They have to be thinking to themselves like, I'm trying to go and play with Joey B. I'm trying to go and play with the Migos. They got mixing. The window is wide open. These guys just went to the Super Bowl. So for me, like you said, whether that's best player available, whether that's looking at whatever holes are left over after free agency or that you don't have on the trade market, you still got veterans that get that can get cut too. So for me, it's just like 
trusting the best process. And like some people are wanting to jump out there and spend $26 million for a left tackle. I will say that right here on this channel. I'm not trying to do that, bro. I'm not And I don't think the Bengals are like, that, that's yeah. why the Terran Armstead thing doesn't really, it's one of the things I think they should do something like that, like a big name guy. But I just don't think Duke Tobin told, he talked today or was it yesterday? And he said, Hey, we're okay with paying a guy if they're if we feel like they're worth it. And he referenced Trey Hendrickson. And he referenced like them paying X amount of money for that and then getting the value out of it. And then he also talked about he didn't say Trey Wayne specifically, but he said, like, look at injuries and like what this could happen or whatever. I just don't see the Bengals. We know the history of the Bengals. We know that they that they're hundred percent gonna fix the line and but they're but I hundred percent think they're gonna do it their way. One of the things that I think people aren't really paying attention to is a big move, just like in all season of last year. I, let me rephrase this. Not a big move because I know people that are on this got to be an offensive line uh, thing with it, um, or nothing. Derek uh, Frazier, the third O-line coach that has now been brought in t- uh, into the Bengals organization now to help, to help with Frank Pollock, and I think he's specifically been brought in to work with some of these younger ones because when we're looking at the offensive line, go and look around the league. I feel like the Bengals' depth at offensive line is not a problem. Like having Jackson Carmen in a battle fight, having Isaiah Prince, Adenogy, um, uh, I said Prince already, having these guys uh, as, as depth pieces is a, is, a, is a great thing. The problem that I have right now is they just need straight-up starters. And the draft just doesn't yield that many starters. Like already in a weak draft pool, you're you're picking at the back in the first round. So does that mean that you neglect a position in the draft? Absolutely not. I think you come out of draft still with at a minimum maybe one, but you still got to come out maybe one or two. I would say two, honestly, with how bad of a shape that the offensive line is after what we just seen, right? And the uncertainty with Riley Reef with possibly maybe even retiring. I'm told. So. You have that. We have the rumors that we or Pac-Man Jones himself said, I think you one of the first people to repost it and show that Pac-Man was saying that Ryan Jensen, the uh, center that, that's now coming from the Buccaneers, 31 years old, possibly a three year for 39 million. Now the draft is starting to look a little different to me in that aspect, because my number one target in the draft that I just been saying the whole time is Linderbaum, this the center from Iowa. That is one of the guys that I looked at a lot. I love that his agility. He's he's a little undersized, but he can move and he can get to the second level and he can do things in this offense that I don't think that we've done. And the reason why he was on my radar is because center isn't a a, a position that's quite as coveted. So I think that he could have been there at the, the end of the first round. And maybe he's still there. Even if you get Jensen, you still get a lender mom if you still see him. And the only reason why I still think that he probably could be there is because uh, Creed Humphrey was there last year. And but I think a lot of people in the league probably saw what Creed did this year, and they're going to be looking at Linderbaum as well, too. But like you were saying, with your original point, what Taron R says of the world, I just can't see the Bengals ponying up 20-something million for that position. And knowing our team's history and knowing what I, what we look like with 28, 30-year-old type dudes, whatever, I myself just don't like it either. Right. Which makes me look at guards a little bit more free agency and centers. Like I 
my my center of choice would have been James Daniel. If they get Jensen, I looked at him today. He looked good. Like he's it, fine with me. He's going to play in the league at a high level for a minimum of never two years. In the window right now for the Bengals is two years. But I just think the Bengals, when they go to the draft, you're going to see, you're going to be forcing it if you're a guy that's sitting there saying it's got to be offensive line or not. The talent pool is just not that big. And if a guy falls down to that spot, I would question why did he fall down to that spot? Like if it's any of the guys that I've been seeing, because there's about four guys that I, I think that most draft analysts or whatever would consider day one starters. Those guys won't be there at 31. And if one of them is there, then that makes me be it makes me kind of scratch my head a little bit. And like you said, there's still the learning curve from a rookie and, and things that we've seen there. Um, and I've been, you know, I went on record of saying guys that I had tried to target just from a trade aspect, Tyron Smith, Mike McGlinchey, um, Jake Matthews. Like these are players that are established and, you know, as soon as you lock them in, they're going to do something. And you're telling me that you're willing to pay twice as much for somebody like Teron Armstead. It just it just doesn't make sense that. In any fat form or fashion, that Teron Armstead should be making more than Tyron. To the Armstead. to the person that says that 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 isn't possible, walk them through. Because uh, you're the only person I know that's been uh, talking about a trade. I think everybody else in Bengals fandom kind of follows suit with some other people and stuff, and then they just be like, "Oh, okay, well, it's got to be Laramie Tunsil or somebody like that." You're the yeah. only you're the only person I know that's saying Tyron. Break that down. Yeah. What is he currently getting paid, and why that makes sense to a Bengals fan? So for Tyron, it makes perfect sense because $13.5 million, let's just start there. He signed his deal eight years ago, right? So, like, as the market moves, right now we're already up to 26 because Trent Williams reset that market. That's what the number is, right? That's just the, the root of, of what it is. And Tyron Smith, for me, is obviously an elite lineman. Now, the Cowboys, they're in some cap uh, – issues they have some cap issues and things like that that can be changed though right you could do restructures and stuff like that but at the end of the day right now they're looking at a guy in Terrence Steele from digging around over there a lot of their coaching staff likes Terrence Steele right and a lot of the way that these deals come together sometimes it might not be that the Cowboys are trying to trade someone like Tyron Smith right but it might be someone like Frank Pollock who used to coach him that's like all right well if I'm going and and I'm going to grab my guy to fix this line I want my guy Tyron so he might reach out to somebody on the Cowboys and say, you know, what what would it take to bring Tyron to Cincy? Is that something that you guys are considering? Being that this guy is age 31, they got Terrence still behind him that they actually like. They got some other guys on that line that they like. They would save $5 million by moving on from him. And you could potentially get the value of a draft pick depending on if it's 31, depending on if it's the second round. Like draft picks are a premium. So if you were to talk to them and try to say, hey, we do like Tyron, they might say, hey, Tyron, we love you. But honestly, you haven't been the healthiest guy as of late. And we got these other guys that we got to pay, like Amari Cooper. We got these other contracts that we're committed to. And they may be willing to move on him. And he's a zone fit. He's a fit for the zone scheme. He literally played with Frank Pollock. And so those conversations could be happening behind the scenes. But everybody in Dallas, if you actually listen to their fans or anybody, a lot of them would be willing to trade Tyron. So, like, you look at it from the cap casualty standpoint, you look at it from a player that's on an expiring deal, and teams always kind of target those players. So you know that they're going to get calls about him, and that's how trade talks kind of start in the NFL. And I kind of 
made the basis for all of these players from an article that Scott Pioli put out as a former GM and kind of talked about how deals kind of come to fruition. And Tyron was there and it just made perfect sense. He knows Frank Pollock. He's a part of the scheme. He would be an upgrade immediately. Dallas could be looking to trade him because he's a potential cap cap casualty. He's coming on a good deal. So there's not only just the Bengals, there's probably a ton of teams that want Tyron Smith that will be hitting them up. So players like that, Jake Matthews, Mike McGlinchey's another one. The 49ers would hand you Mike McGlinchey right now, honestly, just to not have to pay him $10.8 million. And that's a guy that could come in. You could plug in that right tackle, keep Jonah at left tackle. So there's guys out there and, that you can pay for. And a lot of people say this to me daily, and I think me and you were talking about this one day too. Mm-hmm. It's unrealistic for any Bengals fan or any fan of like football, like just – one of my first que- one of my first instances or one of my first things that I want to talk about, I guess, from offensive line in general, is this concept that all fan bases feel like their team is the only team that has this problem. We were talking about last year. Do y'all know that Cedric Obehi was signed to the 53, not the practice squad for the Ravens? <laughs> but we're talking about a Bengals offensive line. Not that they're not, I'm not this is not an excuse for them, and I feel like we need to get better. But let's just Let's just put this all in perspective. This same Bengals offensive line had a thousand yard rusher, two thousand yard wide receivers, and a nine hundred one and a forty four hundred. I mean, forty four, you know, hundred, you know, uh, uh, quarterback, right? So there is on one end where you say, "Hey, look, these guys did a little bit, and we're not in a desperation mode where the sky is falling, where I'm not, I'm picking up Cedric Obeys of the world." So first and foremost, I want everybody to understand that there's not there's only three teams in the National Football League right now that will run out there with their offensive line. Period. Like right now, there's only three teams, and even on three teams, I kind of think that they might be looking to maybe even upgrade. You might in one of those three teams, I probably be thinking about is like the Rams, who we play in their interior offensive line wasn't really good. Their center was pretty good, but their um. But he struggled when he came back from injury, and they're looking to upgrade him. Then you're talking about Whitworth, who's now about to retire. Now the other guy that filled in for him, he was all right. But I'm just showing everybody, like, that's the thing. The next part is the injury portion. If you could show me a right tackle or a left tackle, especially a left tackle that's played a full 16 games, like before we went to 17, that played a full 16, DM me right now for a prize. Like that does like that tight end tight tight like let's be realistic like this this but, show but is here the, here's the thing Zim. do we not have Jonah Williams on our team how many games did Jonah Williams you don't hear people saying Jonah Williams isn't gonna do this and that you're talking about in Tyron Smith an elite tackle like top right. three tackle in the NFL and you're like nah we don't need him because. We feel like he's injury prone or something like that. When you have Jonah Williams on your team, you just had Riley Reef go down. Like injuries are gonna happen. This is the NFL. Facts. Like, and it's all up. That's po- something that the, you could the use position. To say, that's something that you could use to the Cowboys to be like, all right, well, he hasn't really played that many games in the last two years. He's played eleven this season. He only played two the season before. Now, before that, they're not gonna tell you he played 15, 15, 15. They're gonna say he hasn't played seventeen games. Right. In, in six seasons, but he was playing 15, 15, and all of that. But right. I will come back to the table and be like, I'm not giving you 31 because of that. And I'm going to use that to my advantage. And I'm going to say, well, I'll give you a second round or I'll give you a third round. 
And like to to be able to have somebody like Tyron and to not even want to come to the table because of that factor, it, it, it just doesn't make sense. It, to me. This isn't this, for me. It doesn't even have to. I, I, at this point, I'm not picky at all with the office line. Like I'm not a big fan of like Bozeman, but if they sign Bozeman, I'll be like, let's go. Yeah. Like let's get it because it's an upgrade. And a lot of that's where I feel like the fans are living. I, I preface that first part to say that everybody wants these guys. So we can't sit there and then say, okay, well, I want this guy, but I I, I don't know about it. Like, if you and feel if like, the Ravens, like, like... If the Ravens get Tyron Smith, then what? Are you going to be like... You're going to be sitting there like, damn, we got we to figure out how to get past him. And, and he's not washed up. He's right. not washed up. It's not like he's fell off a cliff or anything like that. Right, so that that's where the basis of my conversation go. Now, what happens is then the money part starts to come into the conversation with me, and when when the the three year Jensen deal was proposed and stuff, I immediately said, "Man, that lender bomb sure looking good." Because when I look at my draft chart, if I'm just trying to get the twenty one, all I got to give up is like a six and like a third or something like that. And if I feel like lender bomb is like a top ten center in the National Football League or something like that, and you know it, you do it for real, to, in my opinion, because I feel like he's going to play for the rest of Joe Bur- Burrow's career. That's how he looks on tape. Nothing's a short thing, and you've already got the compensatory pick, so it's pretty much like a free pick anyway. Like You got a couple different things in your favor that, that warrant you trading up if you had to. That's where that conversation comes in, because I know that the Bengals front office isn't going to do drastic um, – restructures around their they should go restructure mixing they should go restructure a bunch of these guys to give them signing bonuses and get some of that front end money off so that the cap hit is lowered but i just i don't i know that they don't do business like that the one thing that i do take from all these conversations about the Bengals being attached to centers is that trey hopkins is probably going to get cut like a lot of people aren't saying that but his cap hit is like six million so I can't see them getting a center like that. Like they're very practical when it's when it turn in, in when it comes to the money side of this thing. So there's there's there is a little bit of madden in this where the Bengals are going to upgrade at least at a minimum three spots on this offensive line. Whether I the, one of my things is they're going to come in with two guys before the draft. That might be a center, and if it, for my money, I would want it to be like a guard. But Duke Tobin, having him talk earlier today, he doesn't believe in overpaying for anything. So if they get into like a bidding war or something with Austin Corbett, that's why I prefaced the first part about all teams want these guys. All of these guys, like we are not the only ones that need an offensive line. Like everybody needs an offensive line. Ask the Ravens, ask the Steelers. Like Trey Turner was trash for them. Like these guys, like everybody wants to. So they're not going to overpay as much as we want. Now maybe a little bit, sure, like when they were – looking really, really like when Lawson left and then Trey Henderson was sitting right there, I'm pretty sure they probably offered him more than what it was expected to get. I can't see them doing that for a guard just knowing the team's history, but that's why I think what I was talking about earlier, the coach um, from San Francisco that I was just talking about, now that's where uh, Lincoln Thomason comes into play because he's been there with a guy like that, could stand on the table for him, and maybe Thomas says, Tomlinson says, yeah, I like that guy, and we get him for that number. And I just think the Bengals are really smart about that type of stuff. Some people call it cheap. I just call it good business. Like, I'm not really trying to overpay for anything. But at the same time, 
I have to address these positions, and I'm not about to put no scrubs there. And they cannot come out of the draft saying that Jackson Carmen is penciled in as our starter. Jackson Carmen um, competing for a spot is amazing. That like that's why you draft him a second. He should be the front runner if he comes into camp in shape, ready to go. You come out the draft, he's ready to compete with whoever. Because I imagine they'll bring like a guy, you know, like a veteran guy, like a Xavier Sulafilos 2.0 that's not injured. Like, after the draft, they'll bring that guard guy in, right? Whoever that guy is, $4 million a year guy. And that could potentially be your starting guard. If you have Jackson Carmen battle it out with him, that's 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 fine because we're fixing all these other areas on the line so it's not such a glaring need. A lot of people don't welcome Riley Reef or they don't want him to come back. I think Riley Reef is the type of guy that, from a leadership standpoint, I think he will come back. And he saw how close he was to a chip. I think he will come back for not that much money and be able to coach them guys up and be able to talk to them along with the three offensive line coaches now that they have, like, in the building or whatever. So I feel like that's another aspect of if they got themselves into a, 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 a bad spot, Riley Reef could be there as a swing tackle that's proven now about to be, what, 33, 34 years old, not ideal, but it's still not a denigy a guard type, right? You know, like you got right. somebody there. And and that's what that's where I want people to kind of like that's where I want to say that's what I'm coming into the draft with. I'm going to get two free agents. It's looking like it's gonna be a center and a guard. I'm thinking more so Tomlinson because of the connections with San Francisco. If for my money, I will go get Corbett. I feel like he's better for the system, more upside, and he's just a dog. And I love the way he plays the uh, he plays the guard don't, position. Don't sleep on uh, some of the guys that could get cut too. Taylor Lewan, so so, so that so being floated out there. So Taylor that was a, that was the next part that I was going to say. The same thing we were talking about the other day. Morgan Moses came available last year in the same criteria. There's a lot of teams that are in cap hill. So when we come out of the draft and all this goes down and they and they can't get a restructure or they can't get a guy to lower his number down, they're going to release a guy and we're going to get one. We're going to get one of those guys. Um, somebody else in here was talking about three tech and and that's a position that we really really need really bad too. But there's only one, and that's the kid Wyatt from Georgia. And so that's that's where I keep on when I go to the draft and I talk about corner. It's the one position that there's multiple guys that I think will be there. The bank, I, I think it's two different things. You might see the Bengals get a corner, draft that, I mean, trade out of the spot, or if Linderbaum or like Wyatt or somebody is right there, sure, you grab them. But the chances of them being there aren't as high as you think because of the quarterbacks. Not normally, normally you have these influx of quarterbacks coming into the first round, pushing everybody down. But that's not the case this year. Like, people are just sitting there waiting on guys like Kenny Pickett and Willis and stuff are going to be, like, later in the first, you know, whatever. Like, these are guys that everybody likes or how from North Carolina. Like, these these guys don't like it. And so the edge class is the next one where we need another guy. I don't think you're going to get one of the guys at 31. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. We haven't, we're haven't. we going to get into our first measurements and all that stuff with the combine tomorrow. So we're going to learn a lot more, too. So we're filming this one day before the combine. Yeah, because those measurements be lying. They be lying a lot until they get to the combine. This, the next three days is going to be really important. That's why I think what for you guys, we're going to do another show this week because, um, yeah, yeah, there, there's some guys like uh, 
the kid from Florida State, the edge guy. Like I've I've been tweeting this stuff. Yeah. There's some guys like Elam from Florida, the corner, McDuffie, I could see maybe possibly crazy world falling, but guys like Booth. Uh, Sauce Gardner, those corners gonna stay up there. The cor- the edge from Florida State, Johnson or something like that. Then they, yeah. then you got um, yeah, it's just not that many yeah. guys. Picking from thirty one is different, bro. Like when you start to look at like all of these guys, there's not that many guys that I think will be starters, and that's cool if we're talking about a rotational piece like edge, uh, three tech. Or in our scenario, we have a unique scenario at corner. We don't need a corner that has to come in and be locked down because you got Jesse Bates, Von Bell. And the Jesse Bates thing is going to happen. If he gets tagged, that's still $13 million. Jesse Bates and his agent aren't going to say we don't want $13 million. The, the, the big date to come and back to look at, if they don't get this deal done within the next couple of days, it's July 15th because that's the day that they will have to get the tag up off of them and get a deal worked out, I believe. Somebody could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's July 15th. But that's a big day. But I think they get that deal done. So it's Bates, bon, uh, Von Bell, and Awuzie, and you got all these other guys around him. The free. Let me ask you. Let me ask I just you. Don't, this, and I hate the free. And the Bengals don't want to pay those corners. Them, the free edge of corners you showed me on that list. Yeah. Like, bro, would you pay any of them dudes 10, 11 million? Like, after you just came from Trey Wings? I wouldn't pay none of them. For anybody that could be a cap casualty or anything like that. But this is the question that I pose to you. I'm not saying that it's going to happen. But if you've ever watched the draft, there's always one player that falls that should have been, like, in the top 10, whether it's Derwin James is one that I can think of. Like, there's a, there's been a lot of players. T. Higgins is one. Um, if there's somebody like Stingley, right, who is I'm running, I'm running up to the twenties. Like you gotta move up. Like if you're the Bengals, you gotta Stingley. move up from 31. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not saying it's gonna happen, right? Yeah, 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 I'm yeah, just, yeah. I'm just picking him because like it's injury questions and stuff like that. Boy, if, if they give me a guy like Stingley sitting right there, but see the, the quarterbacks this year are messing it up so much for me because I can't wrap my head around now. Like you said, it's gonna happen. Somebody's gonna be there. Like Somebody T Hig- like T Higgins shouldn't have been there when he was there. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's like it's gonna happen. And so I just think from a a, a mock standpoint, it's just really hard for me to how could you mock how could you mock Stingley? Like, yeah, I'm gonna do a big board. Stingley is the best corner to me. Like it's not like I don't know how he looked this past year because I was so fixated on the Bengals. I heard he didn't look as good or he quit on the team. I do not care. Them first couple years that he had at LSU, probably the best the best prospect corner I had ever seen since I had ever seen Patrick Peterson, like, in college. You don't throw on his side. When you do throw on his side, he looked like he about to pick every single thing. When he gets the ball in his, in his hands, he catches it every time. That's all you're looking for. Like, Eli Apple coming out of college, I remember looking at, at him. He didn't catch anything. He was always there, but he always dropped every pick that he had. And, I mean, now 2022, it's still damn near the same thing, right? But Stingley, mm -mm, he he looked like a wide receiver like his freshman year. Like, I remember I was talking to Dre, Dre Kirkpatrick or whatever, and he was we was watching a national title game. He was like, I forgot Stingley number or whatever. He was like, watch that dude the whole game. Like, and and ever since then, I always watched that game. Like, I I mean, I've always loved this game because there's only a couple corners that ever look like that. And – I feel like the kid McDuffie, the corner from Washington, 
I feel like he he's not Stingley level, but that's a guy that some teams might say he doesn't fit the mold, whereas Elam is 6'2", Florida. Some guys feel like they didn't like his attitude in a couple games. Maybe he falls down. I feel like his profile and stuff like that matches more like what the Bengals like. The zone zone press corner, everything about him like is on point, like and it matches up. There's some guys that that are like, but we talking about starters. And if you ain't starting for real, it's hard for me to get quite as excited about the beginning of the draft. So that's why I'm like early. My philosophy is free agency. We're gonna go nail this offensive line, whether at the beginning of the uh, before the draft, and then when we come out. We're going to come out, and we're going to catch the guy that gets cut from his team. We're going to get that guy, too. But we're coming with a minimum of three new starters on this offensive line. That's the game plan. That ain't changing. That's going to happen. Um, when we go to the draft, you, I just think that there's not that many guys that have the potential to start. So one of those guys falling, sure, but one I just question. can't see it. I just one can't see it. What question I got for you? A lot of people are talking about um, Laramie Tunsil, right? Laramie Tunsil is eighteen million dollars a year. Let's just put that out there. Let's say, let's say hypothetically, you got the choice to trade for Laramie Tunsil, or you can sign Taylor Lewan after he just got cut. Taylor Lewan. Taylor Lewan. Like easy. it's easy. It's easily Taylor Lewan because you're not gonna have to pay eighteen million. You might be able to pay him like six million because yeah. they had to pay him twelve million or whatever this year. So like. That's what people and Bengals fans have to keep in the back of your mind of. Right. If the Bengals don't go out and say, here's Toronto Armstead, or they don't trade for Laramie Tunsil, don't get upset with them because they might be thinking of all kinds of scenarios. And some of that money has to go to Jesse Bates. Whether you want to believe it or not, some of that money has to some go to Jesse some, Bates. Some of that money is going to go to CJ Uzama, too. Uzama, CJ. <laughs> It's going to have to go for them rolling over money for T. Higgins next year when it's time to get his deal. Like, they're, they're thinking about all of these moves. That's some boys that got big. Like, I'm not mad. Like, the next two years, you they they have – they can make a couple – like, they can miss on a couple guys. One thing that I do – I am a futurist in the way that I think about everything. They could – they have the luxury because think about our roster – most of the starters are set. They're already signed. Everything the team is damn near the team. Like Sound if you like probably like Spain too. If you really like it, I, Spain, Spain would Spain would have to compete with somebody for me though. Like if you if you bring them back, like that's just not enough. Like and that's not enough for the fan base. I think the uh, the theme for the Bengals front office should be this: they owe the city. They owe everybody everything that they got after the team and everybody supported them. I wasn't a big fan of the of the that last uh, rally that they had after we lost the Super Bowl, but credit to the people. And, and the only reason why I say that, I think my perspective was different. I was at the Chiefs game and I celebrated the AFC Championship already. I celebrated AFC Championship for weeks online, telling everybody how great the Bengals were. You see what I'm saying? So I celebrated hard. So when we lost the Super Bowl, I'm like, why y'all out there? But I will say this. Credit to those people that still stuck behind the team, still went out there in the cold, still cheered their asses off and everything like that. The Bengals owe them to push all the chips in there because it's not too many times like in this life that we're going to have these 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 dots in, you know, like in history. And this is a time where the Bengals could absolutely do it. And I say they have the I know they see how much money they're making. You know, so the, all the season tickets are sold out. 
So what are you waiting for? Like you, you have to push all the chips in there. And, but I don't think that you have to do drastic stuff. Like you do, like, that's where I, what you just you talked about, to go to, you don't what have you to just, go to LA Rams route. Like, right. You don't have to mortgage any of them picks. I, I heard Ron Rivera say earlier today, he said, he said, nobody's asking the Rams what they traded to get uh, Matthew Stafford, which is correct. But I think about the Bengals more so in the next 10 years, like us just dominating like a division. L.A. Rams are like a, a drop in the bucket type fan base isn't the same as it's like, just give us something to keep this thing relevant almost like let's go get a it's super not, bottle. that's not what the patriots did the patriots didn't do that the right kind of did what we're doing with developing their own talent Develop- really and, and then they have they had periods where they traded a whole bunch of picks but they didn't give up first round at the first round for multiple years like they're not doing it and the patriots are very good at getting people for undervalue like when we come out of the draft and stuff like that Getting guys and underpaying guys like people hated it, and like they're, they traded us like a six round pick for Chad Johnson. Like, bro, they're crazy. notorious for cutting people way early. So all that, like, whatever they talking about, like, so when I think about the Bengals, you talk about T Higgins coming up. Like, I seen people talking about trade T Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Absolutely stupid. No. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, you don't jeopardize your core and make everybody in the locker room pissed at you because you gave away like. The, the foundation of your team like that's the most I don't like that but but I just think that whatever moves they make have to have this in mind that T has to get paid uh Jamar eventually has to get paid all these guys got to get paid so you can't have you can't make the mistake of getting a turn Armstead and he only does and he does only play 12 games or something like that or eight games or maybe no games like Trey Waynes just did Imagine you paying that like twenty something million to a guy or eighteen to learn me tonsil and they don't play. I think about that side of it where I don't think the average fan, I think me and you are kind of on the same lines with that sentiment. I think there's a way to go get all the guys that you guys want. Maybe it's not the greatest offensive line that you've ever seen in your life, but I feel like every single position should be an upgrade. And that's what they owe the Bengals fans. And I think that's the compromise between the fans and the ownership. Facts. I think if you get them an average offensive line, we right back there. We right back there. And we all know that. Like, we already know if we get more time with these weapons, like, there's not going to be anybody that can really stop us. And I can confidently say that just because these weapons, this offense, what we're putting together, this culture, how young they are, like, we're in a good space, bro. And if we play this right, we play our cards right, like Zim said, we're gonna be good for a very long time. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think there's no like I'm gonna tell you the most honest thing I was telling somebody earlier today. After being at those games, witnessing those games, a lot of those games, front row seat. You seen me and Ace at the Super Bowl, everything. A lot of great stuff happened in those games to get us back to the to to get us to the Super Bowl. To the Super Bowl. For me to ever come out here and say, yeah, the Bengals go right back to the Super Bowl if they fix the offense line, it's not that simple. Like, I'm going to just be real with you. I'm not, I don't think we're going to go right back, but I think it gives us a really good chance within these next couple of these next couple of years, just the way the team is set up with Joe right. Burrow still being on the rookie deal, Jamar on the rookie deal, T, like, it's just a window, I'd probably say about three years, that we could easily, I feel like, I if feel they like- play everything right, health, all of that, like you said, it takes a lot to get to It takes team. a lot. It's not easy, but this team, 
we've seen them defy so much just like from a historic standpoint. And I think the way that they lost that, knowing that we could have had that and the way Joey B is really built, they got to be itching at the point to get back there and like leave no doubt. But like we talked about, people are going to be gunning for them next year. Like, Yeah. And I, I, I don't think that matters that people are gunning. I think they'll like that. I think they'll embrace right. the villain role. If, if a lot of people just met me this year, I've been the villain all this time. Like I was talking to Ace the other day. When I first started my stuff out on Instagram, whatever, it wasn't guys talking with bravado about the Bengals. That's what made me stand out. That's what got me followers is that. I was confident in the Bengals. I wasn't humble. Zim saying, man, I, I sure hope we can pull off this game. I always been like, let's kick the Steelers ASS like every single Sunday. We could do this. We got better t- talent. And then I will point out stuff. And, it, and nothing has changed. And I, and I think the players that they drafted and the reason why I stood on the table to say we need Jamar Chase is because I know they think like how I am. Like there's not – there's n- if There's nobody. Fan, if you're just a <laughs> like, fan of football, though, like, and you look at the talent that we have, right? There's no way you could be like the personalities, bro. They're so perfect, though. They're like, you know, we've been around these guys. Like, it's so perfect. Joe has that quiet confidence that you need, where you feel like, yeah, I can go to Super Bowl every single year. I do feel that. I do, but I also feel like I want. I witnessed some very special stuff. I asked, uh, I asked my man this at the Chiefs game, and I ask everybody this every time I see them. If you were at, I don't know how I looked on TV. You know the the, the interception that Vaughn catches or whatever from the Jesse Bates tip. Seeing that live, I've challenged everybody to do this. If you know anybody that's gone in the game, it's been a little while now. Ask them, did they see that interception live? Because I I know for my all of my heart of hearts. I witnessed the ball hit the ground, like celebrate. You know, we're we're all in the stands, like yeah, give it high fives. We about to they about to punt the ball, give us the ball back. Then the offense is just like running out on the field, and we're like, what is going on? Like it was weird, crazy stuff. Like, and then I left the stadium. I was like, hey, did y'all see that interception? By the time I saw the replay, I'm like, what? It wasn't no clear interception. But I'm just saying, just weird stuff like that. Think about all the teams that we knocked out, all the people, all the teams that hate us now, right? We knocked them all out. They're all complaining about, man, remember that call you had at the end of the game? Y'all, y'all hit a up. Y'all, y'all, we blew the whistle. Y'all, re- like, all that stuff that we don't even remember. A lot of crazy special stuff happened for us it to did. get for us to get to the Super Bowl. But and I, and I, I think Bengals fans got to remember that. But I will say this. The offense also didn't really consistently show up either. And I don't think that they're going to have – those struggles that they did this playoffs, next playoffs. That's true. I mean, Vegas thinks we have the fourth best odds, and I and I and I want to shake Vegas's heads. I, I feel like that's commendable. Like that's 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 Joe, Joe changed the standard, bro. Like he got us thinking that we're gonna go right, right. back. Or I, 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 back I saw somewhere. I saw somebody make a comment. They said, "Man, the offensive line got to be confident." I mean, competent. The offensive line was competent. They weren't good enough. They, to play at the elite level. I, I When we talk about the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl wasn't lost because of that. We talked about that at the show. I feel like the lack of screens, play calling, mixing not being in it, you could point to a lot of you could point to a lot of different things. But to your point, if the offense is humming in that game, we're ha- the, the, any of them games, none of them games should be close for real, for real. Like the Titans game, maybe because of the type of game it is in the setting. 
But that Chiefs game, you don't come out flat like that. You come out there, put points up with them, then you shut them down second half and then run it up on them again. But by the time our offense is clicking, like that's the one thing that none of these other fan bases are understanding. They got a lot of players that they like, but we got a lot of players that we like or love that have actually produced. A lot of these fans, when you talk about like OBJ and the Rams and stuff, they're 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 talking about what they want him to be or what they or what he used to be. OBJ didn't have no thousand yards. So when he got injured or whatever, I know that he was doing really good in the first half of a football game, but in the second half of a football game, we shut down a lot of people. And so for them to talk about OBJ to to have them talk about OBJ like he was on the same level as T. Higgins to me, I thought was crazy. And they thought they think I'm crazy because they're like T. Higgins. I'm like, yeah, this is 2022, my boy. Like two years straight of a thousand yards. Like OBJ didn't have no thousand yards. He had his first 100 yard game one week prior to us playing him. He was still getting acclimated to the offense. So for you to act like he's there and T. Higgins is like that's the thing that we're that people don't understand is that the people that we're naming Von Bell's, Jesse Bates, Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard's. All these guys, we're not hoping that they're good. They're already really, really good, and our core is already under contract. That's why we have these shows about going to the draft, and I'm not even really – I'm not talking about starters. I'm like, the starters are already there. And the, and the craziest part, bro, is when you really – and I got to go back and rewatch, but majority of the season, the offense really wasn't consistent. They wasn't playing at their best possible level. So if that was not their best possible level – and look at all of the crazy stuff that they did, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, all of it. Just imagine when they start clicking like the 2005 Bengals. Facts. Like just imagine what this offense is going to look like. Match with that defense. Match with that defense. That's the the key to me. The reason why we – you, if you're a big on we got to fix the offense line, you got to demand everybody you know. And the Bengals watch everything on Twitter. Y'all got to demand – that they go crazy or do whatever they can to make sure that they fix the offensive line through free agency. Because coming out of the draft with more variables, to me, isn't the answer. It would give you depth and it would give you things for your future. So when you get past this two-year window and you can't sign guys, then, yeah, maybe Deontay uh, Smith, maybe uh, Jackson Carmen, all these guys are ready to go, ready to rock, ready to roll, or whoever you draft this year. But right now for this two-year window, you need proven guys that are playing at the top of their class in football and that, at the offensive line. The defense, what it showed me in the, in, the, in the playoffs is that they had the potential to be a top-five defense in the National Football League. They went toe-to-toe with everybody, the Rams, the Chiefs, the Titans. Those are three different types of dynamic offenses that can beat you in those three different ways. And the Bengals did a really, really good job on all three of those teams. The Raiders ain't no scrubs either. They put up a lot of yards on people. So so by them doing that and then bulking up the defense to the draft, I want them to come out the, the draft with five defensive guys. Like, I swear, because you're – you will have Jesse Bates of the world. Trey Henderson's teaching them everything that they know and making all those guys better, keeping them fresh for the playoffs. Because we're going to the playoffs every single year. That's not even the question. Like we're going to the playoffs. To your credit, they stay. They stay. The deep, the offense get the humming, start rolling. One thing that we learned from the th- uh, from the Super Bowl. I, I hated that Matthew Stafford didn't play that good, and yet people talk like he did. He didn't play good in that game. He didn't. The one thing that he did do is they had those the the, the things that I talk about like dagger route dagger routes, um, 
double moves and different things, all a product of their offensive line. And he had the option of hitting like um, OBJ on that crosser. He had cup underneath going across like all this time throughout all the second half. And he did nothing. And on one drive, he did do something right. But throughout the game, if you look at all their plays, they're all a product of their offensive line giving them time. And if you give Joey B that much time, he's going to – that's my only regret that I have coming out the Super Bowl is that I was telling my man earlier is that all those games that I watched in the playoffs, Joe Burrow did something magical in every single game. And I was a little hard on him right after the Super Bowl. And it wasn't because I was, like, mad at Joe Burrow. It's just because I was mad that the world didn't get to see why he was so special for one Sunday. Because that was the one Sunday that we got a chance to get everybody to look at this guy. Because I'm telling him, like, I'm telling you, y'all, he's an MVP candidate. Did, did you see Aaron Rodgers play all year? I mean, but it's Aaron Rodgers. But I'm like, did you see Aaron Rodgers? He was checking down the whole year. He checked his way out of the playoffs, like, swiftly, like nothing. He did nothing. He never pushed the ball down the field. I'm like, this guy, Joe Burrow, is pushing the ball down the field like a maniac, getting sacked five, six times a game. You got to see this. Everybody come watch it. And then we get to the Super Bowl, and the magic and the magic really, you know, like the spin out of Chris Jones, the the, the magic on third down and the Tennessee side. Like, I, I, I wish I could have showed everybody that. But they're just going to have to find out later. But I wish that was my one regret. And it, and I hope anybody that watched our show right after that was like, I know somebody hit me. was like, why are you so hard on Joe? It wasn't that. It was like I was so upset. He hurt his knee or whatever. Maybe he didn't have the mobility. He didn't get the, the chance to show him that magic that I just want everybody to see. And that's the same magic that makes you right now, I think, Ace feel like they're going back to the Super Bowl. It's just – Bro, there's so many parts about that. I'm starting to get excited because I'm reading people in the comments. And, you know, I never was a huge Wire Hubert guy, but I do remember watching the film on Wire Hubert, and I forgot that we even had him. So there's like, you got to remember all of the people that are going to come back to this team that we lost along the way with new people. So you talk about Joseph Osai, like you talk like, bro, it's about to get crazy, man. <laughs> it's about to get crazy. You on mute. You on mute, Zim. I'm telling you, they stack up that defense through this draft. Don't, don't, don't. Stop buying. Don't buy none of them old dinosaur corners. I don't care about no Casey Hayward at 32 years. I don't, you don't need that guy. He's, he costs too much. Like, I respect what he does. If you want to come in for like pennies, sure, three, four million, cool, but that's not happening. Right. Keep your defense super young. Let them ball out, beast out. Let Osai come back. Huber do his thing. You still got Kareem in the cut. You start rotating that. Come back. Give you one. Give me one. Give me one vet edge rusher. Come out the draft with one good edge rusher too. I mean, the sky's the limit for this dude. Because the one thing that the the Rams didn't have on them was interior pressure up front. So a lot of people are talking about the front. Um, talking about the the kid Wyatt from Georgia. Yeah, if he's there. That's a that's a big game changer right there for the Bengals right there. You do take them, but there's only like one three tech at the top of the draft that everybody feels like that. And, you know, like, but that's a, that's my theme is like stack that defense up, get this offensive line straight. And then a lot of stuff that we saw, the concepts that we saw the Rams do. Like, think about when when um Matthew Stafford threw that stupid pick. He had all that time. He had a whole bunch of time. You had all that time and you just yeah. throw it and just air it, it just air mail it to the end zone and get it picked off. Joe Burrow not built like, like and he, even if Joe did that same thing, T. Higgins catching that. 
see the difference. Like they not they not understanding. When you give them that time, is they give them that type of time, it's over. And so the graphic, that's why the Civil War will never be over. Because there is a world that says that, man, if you just block for him, maybe Jamar wasn't there, but maybe the offense is consistent every week and they don't score as many points, but Joe doesn't get hit as much and you probably still go to the Super Bowl because he's that good. That's why the Civil War, the context, uh, the, the conflict between do you draft an offense alignment or do you add more weapons, that exists every single year because Joe Burrow's always going to need both. Yeah, I think – I think we did it the right way, bro. I think that the Jamar Chase pick is going to go down as like when the Vikings drafted Randy Moss. Like it's going to be one of those picks because I think that they're going to get the line right this season. And it's going to be like if we wouldn't have taken Jamar Chase, we couldn't have had both. And so I think it's going to go down with the right move. And I think that they're going to do the right thing. I mean, Mike Brown already came out and said he's going to get Joe Burrow help. You got to read between the lines. Just like when he said he was bullish on Zach, that means he's go- Mike Brown, a former quarterback. Sure. So, so Lou, Lou said, Lou said um, that uh, uh, Eli Apple proved that he's a starting cornerback in his league. I, I think okay, he did. I, I think if they brought him back and he was like, and you go get a corner early, I would love it. But if you just bring him back, then. Yeah, I, they, they, you're going to see the, the Bengals are going to draft a corner early. I don't care if it's first round, second round, whatever. They're going to draft a corner early. They're going to load up at corner just like they did this they got season. To, they lost three dudes. The season before, they lost so many people. That's why they loaded up at corner um, so much like they did because they lost so many in 2020. So I think you'll see them load up again. But right. before we get out of here, um, definitely be sure to check out our partners, Midwest Best Barbecue. They actually are doing a a garlic shrimp kind of thing, Cajun shrimp kind of thing right now. Check them out. They're doing it during Lent. So you can go up there, get you some of that tasty limited time special stuff that they're doing right now. 669 Justice Court over in Loveland. Go through, tell Tim that Ace and Zim sent you. We appreciate all the love on Twitter from you guys going and checking them out. Definitely um, check them out because even in the off season, that food is fire. You can still get your brisket. You can still get your wings. They also have ice cream, too. So definitely shout out to Tim and them over there at Midwest Best Barbecue. Please be sure to check them out. All right. And then, uh, yeah, 100% Midwest Best Barbecue in Loveland, Ohio. Great place. Please check out some of the best food I've ever had in my life. (laughs) 100%, like no cap. Um, Just to give people an update, we'll probably come back with another show on Friday. Do it like early evening. Um, probably go over some of the stuff that we're learning now from the combine. But I felt like this was a good show to kind of get our our thoughts out there, give you guys some chances in the, in the comments to say some stuff. Please make sure after the show is over, leave comments in there. I'm gonna start trying to answer some of the questions. If if there was a question that you didn't get a chance to that we didn't answer today, ask me in the comments. I'm gonna go through the comments on my YouTube and stuff. So ask Ace on his YouTube. Make sure you hit the like button and subscribe. Send it to your friends and everything like that because we, we are going to definitely do some really, really cool things uh, upcoming. But we got one more show we're going to do this week. And then after that, we'll probably start probably transitioning in some of that, you know, free agency stuff later. But feel free to after this is over, as many comments as you want, light them up. I'm going to answer a bunch of them um, and hit the like button. Yes, sir. And of course, we're going to end this with a yes. Sirski. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? 